This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. And we are on the episode 14th of our podcast, The Artist. And uh, this one is special because it's about short documentaries, a format that we really love. But before that, we're going to tell you about some of the very interesting quotes uh, that we discovered this week. And because we are quote freaks, we couldn't resist sharing that with you guys. So the first one we found on Twitter, and this one is by C.S. Lewis. And it says, quote, to say the very thing you really mean the whole of it, nothing more or less, or other than what you really mean, that's the whole art and joy of words, unquote. The second one is by Rumi, uh, and since we love Rumi, we have to quote this one. You will learn by reading, but you will understand with love. Jazz. Welcome to the artists. As Godard said, you don't make a movie, the movie makes you. In our movie-making profession, the workings of Murphy's Law is always at its best. In these candid conversations, we unravel those challenges that define the makers in the movie-making business. Hope these chats will inspire and elevate you to keep fighting for your dreams, but with a mode of reality check on it. I'm your host, Suchita, and this podcast is brought to you by Metaphysical Lab. Enjoy the show. Cruise is a very interesting hybrid documentary directed by the first-time filmmaker Rishi Channa. We absolutely love Tungruz. It's been picked by more than 85 film festivals and has also won uh, the Best Director Award for Rishi at Critics' Choice Short Film Awards. It's also appeared in some of the top publications, including the New York Times, the Hindu, the Indian Express, Scroll, Film Companion, etc., in Slamdance, it actually won the Grand Jury Award for Best Short Documentary, and that qualifies it to be submitted to Oscars. And so we wish the Tungrus gang good luck and all the best. Let's go and chat with Rishi. To begin with, I'm very curious to know in terms of ideas for documentaries um, and spotting a story that you think that should be sort of taken out there. Yeah. So when you first time heard about you know, this family with a rooster, what was that first idea, what was the first thought that came to you in terms of the film? The first uh, thought uh, was, uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was uh, like, a, it was disbelief, uh, you know, mixed with uh, tremendous uh, curiosity about <laughs> what had led to, you know, what, like, why had they done this to themselves? And uh, what were they going to do now? Uh, of course, that was the instant reaction. And uh, even when I called up uh, my cinematographer and told him about this, he was just coming from a place of curiosity that, uh, you know, what what's behind this? What are their reasons? What are their motivations? And how are they adjusting to this? So that that's, the, I mean, those are the first reactions which, you know, which get you interested yes. into a story. Hmm. Um but it's one of those stories which finds you. You can't go looking for it, really. Yes. Uh, so it's a lot of luck, I guess, that, you know, that this came uh, our way. And how did it find you? Uh, so my girlfriend, who was also my co-producer on this job, mm-hmm. 
on on this film mm-hmm. uh, she was actually friends and colleagues with the younger son in the film you know mm-hmm. the guy in the gray yes. striped t-shirt his yes. name is samir yes and they so, so, so they were working together in a mm. company and they were having lunch one day mm-hmm. and uh, over lunch she's like you know like can i tell you something mm. and she, and she's like okay go ahead mm-hmm. so then they, they, so then he you know like he tells her that we have a rooster at home uh, mm. and it's been 6 months and mm-hmm. you know like tensions are high in the house because my dad <laughs> you know he wants to you know like now do away with it mm-hmm. and she and she obviously didn't believe him at first and she thought he was kidding mm-hmm. but uh, you know then he showed her pictures and uh, videos and so that evening when uh, i met her you know she she just shared this with me as just like office conversation that you know this happened at work today and uh, it i of course immediately uh, i mean i was looking to <clears throat> you know looking to do my first film mm. on on something which is very unique and different you know mm. preferably mm. and so i got really interested in and and i spoke to her and i was like you know like can we make a film on this can we do something she said okay let's talk to samir mm. and that's how we moved on from there yeah So then, after that, when you sort of had the story, this idea, this this story that came to you, uh, and you were very keen on it, what was the next thing that you did? Was it that you went and met the family and spent some time there? I think you know, the main thing with a documentary is that access, hmm. access to the situation, hmm. which means access to your subjects first of all, hmm. uh, you know, you know, to your main characters. Yes. If, like to say that so so the main thing was figuring that out and mm-hmm. uh, so the, i was obviously pretty apprehensive because you know you're immediately attached to something mm-hmm. in your head it's mm-hmm. like an epiphany where you feel like wow yes. this will make a great film let's yeah. do it mm-hmm. so obviously i was a bit anxious at how they would react whether they would play along with this mm-hmm. or not mm-hmm. but i think through samir mm-hmm. we made you know like we spoke to samir first and we convinced him mm-hmm. and they are pretty in, they are intelligent progressive open minded people yes uh who were also aware of their situation and they had done something pretty uh, interesting uh, here <laughs> you know with the like with the chicken so mm. so samir did most of the talking mm. to them initially mm. he didn't have to say much but he mm. said that okay i've spoken to them about you guys now you come and meet them you know uh, the parents and the elder brother yes So that's what we did. We went and we met them. I explained to them that uh, you know I'm a filmmaker and uh, I want to make something out of this. I don't know what will happen with it. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is. It's this a personal project right now, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I can like tell the story interestingly. Would you be up for working? So they said that we have uh, you know that uh, okay. Uh, so because you've gone through like a friend and a friend's friend and all that who's connected to the family yes. they were more like trusting of us the main thing is access where the subject has to trust you yes lovely yes very important yeah very important so yeah. we got that got mm. that and also you know people in such situations are willing to are like looking for uh, like a means to express themselves it's almost like catharsis for most documentary characters you know mm, yes so if there's trust then they let you in So, and uh, yeah yes please so uh, once yeah. you got an access and you went and met them um of course because you know dealing with the rooster shooting the rooster and of course taking the bits of the family <coughs> and you know weaving a whole story around it did you um 
in terms of the creative treatment of the film did you write down anything or it was just an impromptu impulsive shoot that you took your crew there and you shot it and then you did everything on in post so we would write and plan a little bit okay. uh, so for me my main collaborator was deepak nambiar my cinematographer mm-hmm. and i had been working with him on other projects like other commercials and all that before so we developed a good working relationship mm-hmm. and uh, he was my main like collaborator here and i would get him involved in in the story you know sure. as, like as a cinematographer i want to work with people who will help me ideate as well Uh, sure. and not just you know like place the camera and shoot Absolutely. that's not really mm. what uh, their role is according to me yes. so so you know what so what happened was that after we met the family we you know they were like so we're shifting apartments in one month mm. and uh, after a month uh, we, you know we don't want to start a new life with this rooster so we will <laughs> find a solution by that time yeah. <laughs> so they were like you have 3 to 4 weeks uh, mm. within that much time aapko jo karna hai aap batao aap you know aap kar sakte ho mm. so first it was about having a few conversations with them and understanding what is their life like every day mm. you know like they're both uh, like retired now they're living at home and the sons you know go to work every day so the story was going to be around you know pretty much around uncle and uh, auntie yes uh, but uncle being the main character because he's the one who's got this animal into the house and everybody else has like reacted to it mm. uh, so so we had those three to I mean, not even four weeks. We had about two and a half, three weeks. Yeah. Uh, within which uh, we would go, we would observe, we would talk a little bit, and then shoot. Yes. And uh, and we would make notes. Okay, that okay. Uh, you know, uh, auntie saying that he eats chicken as well. Mm. So we need <laughs> a setup. You know, where this guy is eating chicken, mm. and then they can talk about it. But the mm. but the creative approach overall was very was you know was a very classical talking heads documentary approach mm. where you examine one situation from multiple perspectives. Yes. It's a very classical approach. Mm. 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 So that was the framework we were working within that framework. Mm. and then figuring out okay so you know after like a day's shoot deepak and i would again jam and come up with ideas for the next shoot that okay they had mentioned this we need to capture this he, you know he disturbed uncle when uncle is sleeping he crows ah, he poops hmm. so we you know so we need to get these shots somehow hmm. so in that sense uh, like tumulus is a hybrid documentary you know it's a creative hmm. documentary hmm. and then yeah so that's really how the creative process involved and then other decisions like visual language how do we shoot this and yes. blah blah, blah. Hmm. so uh, how many days did you shoot and was it like you know you been there and were there for the entire day or did you adjust your time according to what they wanted to shoot their timings we would uh, you know we would ask them okay so can we come on thursday okay. you know are you mm. like are you around are you free on thursday mm. uh yeah so we would go and shoot like that and i think we taught uh, i mean we shot a total of not more than 5 6 days overall hmm uh that's only uh, as much time as we had you know before you know before the day came that they had to move out hmm <coughs> and so, uh, so after you sort of decided on the creative aspect of it the you know how to weave the story and you guys decided that we are going to shoot you know so many days so so much time where did the money's come from and how did you set up your team uh the money came from me yes because there was no 
I mean, there was no time for funding, and plus, also, you didn't know if something like this will get funded. You know, mm. like funding is a long drawn process. Yes. Even for a short film, yeah, whether it's a documentary or a feature, hmm. it involves a lot of pitching and there's a lot of uh, time and preparation that goes into that. And there was no question of that happening here. Hmm. Also, it was in Bombay. Not much funds would be required. My cinematographer worked with me pro bono, which was a huge asset to have on this on my team. Yeah. And we would just go with a small crew. I was my own producer as well, so it would be like, okay, you know, like Deepak, one camera assistant, and I would just enter the house and shoot. You know, mm. one day we took somebody for sound. Uh, the day we were recording the interviews, mm. so it was about working with a minimal crew. Mm. And uh, and uh, Ratika, who 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 became the you know like the co-producer on the project, would mm. always be there to jam with us on creative ideas mm. after the day shoot, and mm. you know like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so. So that's how we we really moved ahead. Uh, it was it was quite an organic process, really. You know, there was not much time to think and strategize. Oh, what will happen with this film? Where will it go? And all those things were not there. So we were very free to just tell a story. Hmm, sure. um, you know, without uh, so so without you know, uh, like because it was self-funded, we were also free from uh, accountability to anybody else except us. Yes. So we were able to tell a story the way we thought it can be told, and it just worked out well, I guess. Mm. Tell me something, Rishi. The infrastructure for documentaries in India is actually zilch. You know, you in terms of you have to really struggle your way to get your films funded. You have doubled up as a producer and director in this documentary. Uh, so, what are those key, you know, takeaways that you would like to share with the listeners in terms of producing your own documentary, and how to put it out there once it gets made? Eventually, I also had to figure out, you know, once mm. the film was shot and I was looking at the rushes and, mm. you know, trying to piece the edit together. Mm. Uh, this is also like a very collaborative process you know on post production i needed more crew i needed a sound designer i needed an editor all those people uh, I, you know i had to uh, so it is like a collaborative process as a indie filmmaker hmm. you need people to support you yes uh, they will be working at less money they have to believe in a vision they will work at less money hmm. because you you can't really make independent cinema without those people on board, you know, to support your vision. Yes. So it was about finding those people gradually. It took us a lot of time, you know. Mm. Um, uh, so um, took 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 you a lot of time in terms of after you shot the film. Yeah. After mm. after I shot the film, I even sat on the footage for a long time, and mm. I got busy with other stuff. So it's not like the. Edit was ready within two months. I okay. even hired one editor who later flaked on me. She disappeared, <laughs> and you know then I had to get somebody else. And mm. you know things would stall, which happens even when you have funding. It happens. You know sometimes yes. the post gets stalled. Then you have to again put in fresh energy into it. And mm. and also there was a lot of uh, you know like several questions in my mind that why am I making this film? Uh, mm. that, you know there are moments of doubt that. Uh, you know that's deep in. So first of all, as a producer director, you've got to know that you've got to see it till the end. Yes. Uh, it's not just about preparing the film and like you know like getting the film ready and handing it over to a producer who will then figure out what to do with it. Yes. Um, you should always case, know where you're going to take it to after you. Uh, you. I mean, it's it, it's not possible to have a 
hundred percent clear map in front of you. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is mm-hmm. what this is what my year long plan will be. Mm-hmm. But there are some points that you know some things that you start with. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in this case, uh, I figured out that uh, one way to attract an audience for this is to. Uh, is to get it to have a good run on the festival circuit, mm-hmm. and this did seem like a festival film to us. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were completing it and when we were doing the post, and we were like, we're on to something here. Mm-hmm. This is very much festival worthy. It has uh, emotions, it you know, within it which are very universal, mm-hmm. which can talk to an audience sitting in any part of the world. Yes. So I started working on a festival plan, and I think that is really the gateway to many other things. Hmm. But even to get to that point, you need to have a lot more collaboration. For example, I had to get, uh, you know, a lot of visual material ready, such as a press kit, even your poster. So hmm. I've met filmmakers who who have started to submit to festivals without even having cut a trailer. Oh man! Um, okay. So hmm. you need to be you need to be prepared. Uh, with you know with an arsenal that you can go into with when you submit to a festival yeah. uh, so i i worked really hard on a festival submission strategy plan mm. and uh, there are people out there who do this for you there are like professional festival distribution companies and agents mm. who if they like your film will sign you on and there is like money involved you might have to pay this that or they'll take a percentage of award screening fee etc and i was also approached by such people hmm. but uh, you know again being my first film i wanted to do many things by myself and i so i started working on a detailed festival plan and i started to learn online because i had no knowledge of any of this before this sure. so i just had to go from 0 to 100 sure. and um, So the festival plan itself is a very important step for you if you want to be a filmmaker hmm. and not just a film director. You know, sure. Uh, even if tomorrow, if I'm a producer for a director, I can tell them what to do with their short films hmm. and uh, you know where to take them. What are the festivals that they should apply to? What are the the deadlines and the plan? Because it involves many details, like world premiere. and the completed by date so the premier status is a big game that festivals play anyways i'm i'm just uh, like starting to ramble in that direction hmm. but uh, festival strategy was my starting point really hmm nice. uh, you know to go about this as a producer director yeah sure and um, as you went along uh, you know yeah. uh, now i believe you have a sales agent on board who is taking care of the uk and the us territories uh how was that how how did sort of they come on board uh, would you like to elaborate it, on that it 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 took a lot of time i have two sales agents one mm-hmm. in the uk and one in spain and both are well known sales agents mm-hmm. um but even before i had signed up with them i had already started to think about how am i going to make some money out of this film see short films don't eventually lead uh, to you know to revenue um not always at least i mean mm. i have heard of films mm. which are uh, sold and which managed to recover their production budget and so on but this was a very small independent film you know like coming out of india and uh, it was on a very niche subject it was it was not uh, overtly uh, issue based you know it did yes. deal with man, you know with man animal conflict mm. it had those environmental undertones to it mm. 
but it was not say about say about uh, like women or youth or about mm. the refugee crisis or about climate change mm. and uh, what i was getting from when i would write to people was that you know this is not an overtly political film so it will be difficult to find a market for it it will be mm. difficult to find a platform for it mm. that will host it mm. um you know the other thing i would i just want to say before way before i even started thinking of this another step that that comes before that is a figuring out your press outreach uh mm-hmm. because besides a sales agent uh, what you also need is a publicist mm-hmm. uh, but again it's very difficult finding a publicist for your mm-hmm. short film especially mm-hmm. for a short documentary like this yes. so i had to become my own publicist also i did a lot of press outreach mm-hmm. and uh, if you look online tongros has received a lot of press from india then it started getting press reviews from outside the country as well mm-hmm. but it took a lot of work you know to reach out to people to send them the film to ask them you know will you review my film mm-hmm. so we started getting reviews from like nandini ramnath on scroll from rahul desai on film companion if the film is good if they like it they will write about it sure and everything needs to work hand in hand you know while you're submitting to festivals and waiting to hear back from festivals once you get into your first few festivals mm. you will start to attract press you will also need to reach out to press to attract press yes and uh, so that that starts to form an outside picture of the film to your world that starts to create buzz mm. you need to do social media you know so we so i was not even active on facebook or twitter at all then yeah. i had to create accounts for my film because we were like you know we have to keep posting about the film we have to let people know this is what's happening yes so a lot of press outreach happened and the film started to do really well on festivals mm. and uh, you know after like a couple of months i was, then i started to learn that okay i have to also figure out sales mm. uh, even though the chances are less we need to you know we need to see if we can get a sales agent or if we can do the distribution ourselves sure uh, so i was so um, whoever i have signed up with you know mm. for sales for the film i've always signed up as a you know as a non exclusive hybrid distribution model mm-hmm. where uh, even if you have sales agent doing your thing you yourself also need to be very proactive about it because they're just going to put the film in the catalog and they'll go to these five markets every year mm-hmm. where they'll try and pitch your film but there are so many films being made mm-hmm. that your film is not going to become a priority for any sales agent yes you need to take things into your own hands so so what happened with me for example when i was at hot dogs mm. i started talking to pbs you know mm. like pbs north america yes they were Uh, they were interested in the film and i just started to talk to more people mm. and understand what else can i do with this film who might buy it and somebody told me about new york times op docs mm. i had not really heard of it before then i was quite ignorant mm. uh but then i started to get in touch with the team at at uh, op docs and uh, they asked for the film they liked the film then we've been talking to them for a few months before in november 2018 we did the online release uh you know for the first time like the online premiere through new york times of docs hmm. but the deal was done by me it was not done by my sales agents i had agents by then as well hmm. um so yeah i sales, think that's a very important point it's a very important point for the documakers so, yeah yeah so sales is uh it's like a desired outcome yeah you would love for it to make some money by being licensed by platforms uh but it takes a lot of uh, working at you know Hmm. um 
so you also get uh, screening fees you can also like negotiate with festivals about screening fees mm. you can make some money there too mm. uh, but overall the film has to become a calling card that's the ultimate outcome that you can expect from your short film you know it should become a strong calling card so that when you want to make your next film mm. you can go to producers and grants and funders and even and uh, even like crew members who you want to work with and tell them look i've made this film it's done so well it's done this is this you know like festivals awards uh, platforms now would you be interested in helping me with my next film that's the eventual expectation that you can have really Mm. You'd also mentioned Rishina conversation yesterday about entrepreneur filmmakers as entrepreneurs which is uh what we have been also talking about do you want to add something to the entrepreneur term Well this actually came up you know I was having a chat with another filmmaker Devashish Makija and we mm. and like we're also planning to do more sessions around this where you want to talk to other filmmakers and to them mm. you know as indie filmmakers you need to be film entrepreneurs today not just makers um yes. you know you can like you can also be a maker okay where you are like commissioned to make a short film you make it and you're done with that journey mm. but uh, i have been talking to many of those filmmakers recently you know who like who've got their films commissioned but uh, they you know they it's not like their films have like traveled so much because the producers eventually have many other films to deal with as well so so you know whereas you can take on that bit of extra burden you can also just finish a film and move on to your next project fine that's also an approach but at the same time you can also keep some time aside to work on getting a film out there as an entrepreneur i mean you know one of the basic definitions of an entrepreneur is okay uh you know it's about getting your product out there uh to the consumer mm. i mean like uh sorry mm. if i'm sounding very very clinical here but uh, mm. uh but it, so i mean there is a parallel to being a film entrepreneur with that you know where if you've made your film you must figure out how to get it out there how to find an audience how to broaden the audience so you have you yes. have to play multiple roles as a director as a producer as your own publicist mm. as your own sales mm. agent your own festival distributor you've so it's uh, it's more it's if you i mean if you can take a more holistic approach is when you would be thinking as a film entrepreneur and i think it pays off i think a film can travel a lot more mm. sure you know you mentioned rishi about this you even considered self distribution did you did you research more on that how would you have self distributed this mm. so distribution and sales actually means two separate th- things you know mm. when it comes to uh short films at least hmm. uh, like distribution means basically distribution to the festival circuit hmm. uh which which takes which is a grueling task it's an exhausting exhausting journey it's been really tiring hmm. because it involves spending hundreds of hours you know on your computer figuring out your festivals and, and hunting for those festivals it's about having money also to be able to submit to those festivals you know yeah, it takes yeah. money yeah. so you've got to ration out your budget also appropriately you can't just go submitting and everybody wants to get into those top 6 festivals like your cans and dance yeah, yeah but everybody wants to go there yes. so there's nothing surprising about that mm. 
but it's uh, strange when you meet filmmakers who are like oh i'm waiting to hear back from berlin mm-hmm. it's been 3 months and i'm waiting to hear back from berlin or toronto i'm like get real you know everybody i mean <laughs> the quality of the films that are being made out there are astounding yes so you're you know there's a lot of great uh, like content being made so mm, just wanting to get into those festivals is not going to work out eventually mm true um and and my film did not eventually get into those top 6 festivals it was true. you know it got rejected true. but uh, at the same time got into many other you know major festivals uh, like itfa hot dogs uh, vision zuril and uh, whatever like you know like palm springs stamp fair etc um so that took like i was saying that took a lot of work in mm. terms of figuring out uh, a festival plan mm. and that's where i so that's what i meant by following a self distribution plan mm. um sure. yeah um tell me about the money recoveries rishi mm-hmm. what are the odds where do you see it going how much have you recovered um i have recovered uh, like a fraction of my cost really. <laughs> okay <laughs> because if you look at it i mean again you know thinking as an entrepreneur your budget should include everything from the time that you start working on the film mm-hmm. till the you know till i mean you should also include the money you spent on traveling to represent your film yes so you know why shouldn't that be a part of your budget because mm. you will not uh, get in i mean you will get invited to festivals that many of them will not even pay for accommodation you know yeah, and i mean like flight tickets to bhul jao short <laughs> exactly <film. laughs> uh, i i've had only like a couple of festivals that actually paid for my flight and mm-hmm. when they were send me those emails i couldn't believe my ears i'm like what you're paying for flight tickets all the way from you know from like <laughs> Bombay to Spain or Amsterdam that's incredible mm. uh that's rare mm. but uh, the, but the first few festivals that you go to it's important to try and put together money to travel to those festivals mm. it's a, it's an incredible experience to be a part of that circuit and to obviously see your film being seen by an audience mm. is a high it's mm. a great learning experience uh, you know you see what you've created where is it working where is it not working you know jokes that you thought might be great fall flat whereas an audience starts to laugh at other things so putting together that money to also travel to a festival to represent your film and to meet more people which will again lead to traveling more yeah uh, is is important for at least your world premiere you must go uh and as much as you can go better after that so i uh, so i was saying that that was also part of my budget and there's a lot of money spent on that which mm. you know there's no end to how much you want to recover eventually mm. uh so uh like new york times uh you know paid me an honorarium then a couple of other platforms also paid me an honorarium mm. uh, uh but without getting into figures you know um it's really about how much you can also negotiate with these platforms there's not much room to negotiate at the end of the day mm. um but if you think that you can you know the, so the eventual uh, like destination for the short film will be on you know uh, it'll be online on some platform or the other but if you you know if you think that you're just going to release it on youtube and expect it to be monetized that is really rare and it's i don't think that's going to happen uh so you've got to figure out more legitimate platforms that uh, curate short films i would say hmm. uh so would you like to give some examples of the ones you curate so, short films short docus rather 
within india there i cannot think of any yes. platforms that are like dedicated only True. to short doc there isn't a single one True. uh and and in, in fact, fact in fact, fact just butting in here that even the ones who are there they're not catered into short doc queues right from your hamara movies to you know oh, others no. pocket short what pocket films so pocket i mean there's films, nothing yeah. here all stack it's all centered around uh, short fiction, fiction. yes see that there is an aspiration in the indian filmmaker do we to, need to change uh, that sorry again but do we need to change that in terms of you know <clears throat> pushing the indian uh, curators uh, short uh, short documentary platforms to include short docus it will change if if more people are watching short documentaries mm. and uh, see there's a whole ecosystem around it which starts from i'm not sure where it starts but mm. okay you know you, like you need people to make films so that people can watch films you need people to watch films so people can make films mm. uh it's both ways mm. and around these two ends of, ends of the spectrum you know there is funding there is distribution there is sales there is development there is mentorship there is there is nurturing mm. that is needed mm. for a particular art genre to take off hmm. so uh, it's a lot more evolved outside india you know i met filmmakers at festivals who have who are making their fourth and fifth short documentary mm-hmm. and they are getting funding by yeah. the state there are a lot of private art councils that also fund them yes and uh, they're actually being able to support themselves uh through this it's not like they're living rich lavish lives mm. but uh, they're doing it it uh, i mean you know they they're doing enough to be able to get by on it yes. uh, which is not the case i you cannot uh, i mean i've not really met people here who have made like four or five short documentaries they they eventually the indian filmmaker wants to end up making a feature you know like a feature fiction yes uh, and see even i have those aspirations it's mm. it's it's not like i I see myself as just a documentary filmmaker. There's no mm. need to pigeonhole yourself like that. Mm. Um, so for this to change and for short documentaries to be seen here with you know with more regard, uh, for it to be seen as a more valid genre which people want to watch, mm. and I don't see why it shouldn't. You know, like nonfiction is so amazing. Mm. I was witness to such amazing nonfiction content and documentary content at these festivals. Absolutely. On such on such eclectic on such eclectic uh, uh, eclectic uh, subjects and uh, stories, mm. and very strong voices also yes. out there that are making things. You know. Absolutely. but it's about nurturing you know um which which right now it's it's not happening here. i mean short documentary filmmakers are making films from their own pocket and are hoping it goes somewhere really mm, true absolutely uh, rishi given a choice uh, what would you go for in terms of self funding versus looking for funds well i am now looking for funds mm-hmm. uh, you know trying to make another documentary mm-hmm. uh but to get funds uh, i again at you know at some of these festivals like hot dogs and uh, at uh, vijon surel mm. i i i saw um, i got a chance to be an observer at some of these uh, you know like the pitching sessions that they have uh, you know that they hold mm. so they have these forums mm. where they invite filmmakers mm. uh who have like submitted applications for pitches mm-hmm. to come and pitch to a you know to a gathering of experts mm-hmm. and they build a whole process out of it and the 
and the caliber of pitches that I saw was very high. Hmm. So there are filmmakers who have been spending a lot of time and hard work on subjects, on stories that they want to develop into documentaries. And uh, they've been at it. And hmm. then they get invited. And very few people get invited to these forums to pitch. Mm-hmm. So, but when they come to pitch also, they are already coming with a lot of, with a lot of groundwork that's been done. Mm. They're not just coming with a one page synopsis or a concept. Mm. That's not going to work. Most of them are coming with some trailers, like they're called sizzlers, you know, they're called promos or Mm. sizzlers, Mm. where they show that sizzler to an entire audience of experts and broadcasters and funders and so on. Mm. And they tell them about this story. So that's how they pitch. Mm. and uh, so the so you process- need funds to create to get more funds yeah yeah like you know they've obviously had some funding even before they're looking for for this level of funding to be able to having created that little two minute teaser so you need that kind of support uh, at least uh, and and maybe it comes from your own savings maybe you take from friends family maybe you crowdfund Mm-hmm. However, you can do it. You have to create something and then pitch it to people for for like further funding. Oh, fantastic! Great, Rishi. It was such a nice time chatting with you. So many takeaways here, and I hope everybody who's listening out there are going to have like get so much of knowledge from your experience of making Tungrus. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. I think for me the most important takeaway uh, in this whole conversation besides everything else is that the OTT platforms currently catering to short films are non-screening short documentaries and I think that should be sort of taken care of because short documentaries have the most interesting, one of the most interesting ways of telling stories and of course the second most important thing is the intellectual property right. You're going to find both of this in the footnotes, so don't forget to hear that. was really lucky that I got to hold on to the intellectual property rights for Tungrus. Hmm. In fact, when I was negotiating with New York Times, hmm. uh, you know, the subject of joint copyright came up also, to which I said that no, I'm, I, you know, there's no need to go into that. Hmm. Uh, what is important for the film is to, you know, for it to get seen on your platform, hmm. for which you, uh, you know, uh, but there is no need to get into joint copyrights. So if you can hold on to intellectual property for your first short film at least, hmm. uh, you will also learn a lot more because because you hold the intellectual property, you'll be required to do many more things around it, yes. which will take you on a very big learning journey. Hmm. You, know, when, you know, when you realize that, hey, I own the copyright, so whatever will happen with the film is up to me. Hmm. Whether it will get seen... Or not seen, you know, where will it get seen, how much exposure I'll get through it. It's all up to me as as the intellectual property holder of this piece of work that I've created. True. 